when we come to read this passage, one of the things you'll see is that Christ is the king of the church. Uh, Christ is the church's uh, uh, leader. He's, he's speaking to her. He's leading her where he longs for her to go, where we should be aiming. Christ is the church's uh, king. He's giving her much more than progress reports, but maybe that gives us some clue of what he's, what he's talking about. Um, in the, the first chapter of Revelation, you see uh, uh, John is given a revelation, a vision of Jesus in his glory. Um, he hears a loud voice uh, behind him like a trumpet, looks around and sees Christ in his glory. He's overcome, falls down dead until uh, Jesus puts his hand on him and lifts him up and tells him not to fear. And then tells him that he has a message for John to record to uh, these seven churches. Seven churches uh, existing at John's time in Asia, or we would call uh, Turkey uh, today. They're real churches. Um, but, but even though they're from a very different day, the things in it apply to us. Right? One of the churches of the feet is, is Ephesus. Or we have in other places of Scripture, uh, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesians. And there's, there's some of the things that Paul says to them that are, that are very different from where we are. Um, there's other things that are very similar. Right? We, we're taking what he's saying to his church and saying, how does that apply to us now? And he continues to do so. But before we go and, and, and read the passage... Um, some of the progress report. How do you think the church is doing? Um, all right, how do, you, you know, how do you think the church is doing? How do you think the church in America is doing where, where we are? Maybe what grade would you get it or, or give it? Or maybe you can be more specific of things uh, that you think. We, we talked about this a little bit in the freshman Bible study and said, well, what's, what's some of the stereotype that Christians have uh, on campus? Um, and it didn't take very long for answers to, to flow of, stare, uh, of hypocritical, judgmental, condemning, prideful, uh, seclusive, you know, like it just, just began to roll uh, very quick. Um, but there's also uh, good things that the church is doing, uh, good things that Christ is doing uh, through his people uh, in the world. Um, how do you think the church is doing? Or we should ask with that question because if you're part of the church, um, how do you think you're doing? What do you think that you need to hear from Jesus? He's talking about the goals that he has for you in your life, living for his kingdom. What do you need to hear from him as he directs you toward it? Um, we'll come back to focus on this, but as we read, um, I want you to notice there's kind of, in each place, he talks to these seven churches, and in each place he kind of uh, tells, tells who he is and then says specific things to the church, and then kind of at the end is a, a formula, and he gives them an encouragement. So, so you kind of hear how, listen to how Christ speaks to his church. Um, the, the character that he says about himself, the specific commands that he gives, also how he encourages them that they're conquerors uh, with him. So if you have your Bibles, um, or, if, or if not, you can see part of it on the back side of the sheet. Um, like I said, it would be a longer reading, but uh, if you have the promise of revelation, there's a blessing in hearing, the, uh, hearing aloud these words. Uh, begin with Revelation 2, chapter 1. Uh, hear the word of God. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds seven stars in his right hand, and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. The vision is just saying, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, 
But you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the work that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You as a ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And to the angel in the church of Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. And to the angel in the church of Pergamum write, The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name. And you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balaam to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual morality. So also you have some who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like flames of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, and faith, and servant, and patience, endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual morality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual morality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching and have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. 
even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel in the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what, what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. That you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, are the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. And yet you have kept my word and not, have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patience and endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell in the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We'll stop there. 
Um, <clears throat> hopefully just from reading it, and that's, that's a longer reading, but hopefully from reading it you can get some of the uh, encouragement of it. I want us to go into it, um, into it a little bit more. And first of all, to talk about uh, the character of the church's king. Right? For, for each church that he opened to, he began describing himself, actually describing something in almost all of them that was already uh, seen by John in that vision, but describing uh, who he is for his church. Right? Some of y'all have seen the movie uh, Talladega Nights, The Legend of Ricky Bobby, whatever it is. Um, any of you haven't seen the, seen the movie, you might have seen some of the uh, previews for uh, uh, at, least, at least one of the scenes around the Ricky Bobby family dinner table um, where he begins to, begins to pray, right? Uh, thanking, uh, thanking baby Jesus uh, for his smoking hot wife and, his, and, uh, and the bountiful gift of dominoes and Taco Bell and, and all those things, right? Um, it, really, it's a horrible scene. It's really funny in a lot of senses. Uh, other things about it are just, are just awful. But there's, there's at least the small truth there. Um, that the character of who you're talking to matters, right? Because his wife interrupts and she's like, she's like, Jesus grew up, you know. He wasn't always a baby. He, he had a beard. Like, he was, he was, a, he was a man. You know? And he was like, listen, I like to talk to the baby Jesus, okay? You pray to who you want to. I want to pray to the baby Jesus. Um, there's at least something that it matters, the character of who we're talking to or who we're, who we're hearing from uh, even, right? Like, like, you know the difference if you have to uh, look at a, a progress report. If You know the difference if you have to meet with the coach who's kind of been ready to have you off the team the whole time and tryouts are over and you've got to meet with him and um, you know he's against you. You don't know that you've, that you've measured up. You're not, you're not really looking forward to that one. Or, or the teacher who's kind of just constantly gives you that frustrated uh, look during her classes and she, she tells you, um, you know, calls you out by name and says, could you stay after class today? I need to talk to you about your, your progress in class. And you're like, the whole rest of the class is like, oh, like, no, I don't, don't want to deal with that. Um, but you know, the difference between that and, and, and talking with someone who uh, cares about you and loves you and, and, and has been investing themselves in, in your future and your progress, right? Someone who, who says, listen, I know what's going on. I know things that you're having to deal with, and I want to help you. I want to see where we can, where we can bring you. Let's figure out a time that we can get together. Let's, let's talk about this, right? But there's maybe a little trepidation, but, but also excitement and, and thankfulness for the, for the help that's there. Um, Jesus in this passage, right, he's speaking to his bride. Um, he's speaking to uh, his people, his church, which he loves, which he uh, gave up his life to redeem her. Uh, the words that he gives, some of them are, some of them have some weight to them. Some of them are harsh. Uh, they're spoken out of his love uh, to lead us where uh, we need to go. And what we see is Jesus describes himself in specific ways to the particular uh, churches, right? And according to, according to their strengths, according to the struggles that they're dealing with, he tells them what it is about himself that meets what they're, what they're dealing with. Um, so as he starts off to, to Ephesus, he's the one who uh, holds the stars and walks among the, the lampstands, which is what we told that's lampstands and, and that vision represent uh, the churches of Christ. Um, that Jesus is with his church that he is close, that he is intimate with his church, walking uh, among them, knowing uh, their experience. Um, maybe sometimes you think, Jesus doesn't know what's going on in your life. 
Um, maybe sometimes you think Jesus really doesn't care. Or you just feel like Jesus is, is distant from where you are. That's where the Ephesians uh, were. They're, they're doing things, but, but there's, a, there's a lack of love going through that. There's a distance between, relationally between them and Christ. He's, and he's the one who's there with them. He loves his church. Um, Jesus knows uh, what's going on at, at Centerpoint. I go to church. Um, at your home churches, churches are fine enough here. At Four Oaks, um, at RUF. Um, Jesus knows what's going on with you. There's people. Uh, as though that he's given his life for, he is, he is close to us in intimate uh, fellowship uh, with us. Now, um, sometimes Jesus describes, as he describes his character in different ways, sometimes it's, it's with really encouraging things. Uh, it, it's, it's the help and encouragement that he can bring by his power. And then there's other times as he describes himself, it's a bit weightier. Um, it's, the, it's the flashing eyes of fire that you really kind of don't want uh, looking at you with a sharp uh, two-edged, two-edged sword. It's describing the character of what we need and in whatever sense to motivate us. Motivate us for where he's taking us and where we, we should be going. Um, so as we said to the church in Ephesus that, uh, uh, that, that feels a distance from Christ, he says he's there with them. He's the one walking among the lampstands. Uh, to, to the church in Smyrna, who's, who's facing death, as he goes on to tell them, he's the one who died and who came to life, who's able to bring them through what they're dealing with. Um, uh, to Pergamum, he's the one who has the sharp two-edged sword, uh, who, will, who, will, who, will, who will cut out the, the things that are wrong, the, the truth that's, um, uh, that they're neglecting or ignoring. Uh, to, to Thyatira, the church that... Uh, Tends to just turn, uh, turn its eyes away from any sin and kind of ignore it and say it's, say it's not a problem. Uh, he's the eyes like flaming fire that see through to what's going on. And the burnished bronze our feet that can trample over it and deal with it. Um, uh, to, the, to the church um, in Sardis, he's the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars because what's going on at this church, they're dead. Where do we have life from Christ pouring out his life to us in the Spirit? See, who he, he's describing who he is according to the particular purposes of what, uh, what his church, what his people are dealing with. Um, uh, he always speaks to us exactly as the one that we need. And he also speaks to us exactly what we need to hear uh, from him, exactly the help that we need. So what does he, uh, what does he tell uh, his church? What does he speak to her? What does he speak to us as he speaks, uh, speaks these messages to, to his church? To move from the, uh, the character of the church's king, uh, second point if you kind of think along in an outline, uh, to the command from uh, the, the, the church's king, the specific things that he says to him. And then sometimes that's uh, commands, uh, sometimes that's rebuke, and sometimes that's uh, accommodation or encouraging and things. Um, in each instance, he, uh, he commands, commands his church to, and leads the way forward from where they are. He's the one who can lead us forward. But I wonder what we expect Jesus to say. Uh, we've read the passage, but if we're just thinking about it, what, what do we expect Jesus to be uh, saying uh, to his church? So we think about where his church is and where we are. What are the things that we think uh, that we expect for Jesus to say? Maybe some of you feel like, well, you expect Jesus to say, hey, no worries. I did it all for you. Relax. I sit back. Uh, what you do doesn't matter anymore, right? 
Maybe maybe feel like the opposite. Maybe feel like Jesus, where whatever's going on is, is speaking to you and saying, listen, no, it's not good enough. It's not good. What you've what you done, I've got a higher standard than that. And unless you can meet my high standard, you're not going to fit in. You're not going to have a part in any of this. And we feel like that's what we expect him to say, unless you achieve it. You know, people who are kind of always negative in every, every evaluation that they ever gave you, um, it just felt like whatever was going on, they could, they could pick something apart at it, and, and even though there was good things that you saw, and clearly everyone else saw, they never mentioned it, right? Um, and it's, it's not motivating. Um, it's not motivating when you have someone just drawing out those, those negative things. Um, maybe we expect Jesus to be negative. Maybe we expect him to be positive, right? There's other people that you go to, and they'll, they'll never breathe a negative word about anything going on, right? It's all, it's all positive, it's all good things, and smiles, and encouragement, and you're coming out, to, coming out from talking to feel like, you know, that person's really nice, and that actually wasn't helpful at all. Like, I don't have a clue where I need to go from here. I'm glad that they like me, uh, but I want something more than that. Um, maybe on the other hand, we feel like... Um, you know, that Jesus would just kind of give a grand overarching statement and you're left on your own to figure it out, right? Like the Great Commission, go, therefore to all nations, make, make disciples, uh, baptize them, teaching them. Um, and, uh, but you're kind of, that's a statement and now you're left to, left to figure it out um, for yourself where it goes. But Jesus speaks specifically to us, to where we are, uh, to what we need, uh, how we need it, and different to each church. Much like each one of you in this room has different, has different things going on, different things that are struggles for you, different things uh, that you're doing uh, well in. Um, you know, when you when you see Jesus talk to the church in Smyrna or in Philadelphia, there's not there's not one criticism that he makes. Um, the people in Smyrna are about to about to die. He's not criticizing them; he's encouraging them to to continue on. But when he comes to the church in Laodicea, um, he didn't have any praise for them. Either. It communicates love, but, not, but there's no good things going on for him to say. And I want you to hear this, that in every instance, uh, Jesus is speaking the gospel. And here's how you see it. Jesus is speaking the gospel because he's speaking himself as what the church needs. Or I see him describing his character for, for what's going on in them. He's calling the church to himself to rest in him. In every instance, Jesus is speaking the gospel. Sometimes it's the challenge of the gospel. Sometimes it's the comfort of the gospel. It's constantly the hope that Christ is what we need and we have him and he's speaking to us. Um, it's never about good enough. There's things about works, but it's a focus always on faith and repentance, on turning up, not, not finally getting things right, but on realizing that we can't get things right and trusting him to constantly be working. I'm leaning on him. I'm looking to Jesus more because we, we need him. So try to say at least a little bit, well, there's a lot of things that we can't talk about uh, just for time of, of going through uh, this particular churches. And I, I want to always say, like, come to me later with questions. I've got a schedule of to meet with people for, for other purposes and specifically after RUF other times. Anything about the sermon or the passage I would love to talk uh, more about. Uh, but here are some of the ways that he speaks, uh, speaks the gospel to his churches. And this is what he, what he says to Ephesus. He starts off, starts off praising them, right? With most of the churches he does. I know, uh, I know your works. It feels good for someone to recognize when you're working hard. The things that you've had to deal with and put up with. 
Um, their, their endurance, um, their patient endurance, and how they can't stand those who are, who are evil. They're not tolerating the things that are, that are contrary to Christ. In fact, where they see uh, doctrine that's, that's not true doctrine, uh, they're against it. They're just trying to do things correct. They're trying to pursue the truth. They're, they're on the ball with it, and he commends them for it. He says, but you've gotten lost in it. Um, you've, you've left behind the love that you have at first. Um, and it cuts, at least for me, uh, when I hear that. Um, it's so easy for us to learn what am I supposed to do as a Christian and what the Bible says, and begin to be pursuing those things. I can get focused on things I'm supposed to do and ministry and people to meet with and all these things. And, and maybe we can be doing the right things. The church in, in Ephesus is doing the right thing. Um, but the motive isn't out of a love for God, a desire uh, to please Him and a love for one another. It's about, it's about what's right and what's true, and what we're supposed to be about. And the relationship is, is missing from it. He calls them back. He calls us back to it. We're not, we're not left there. We're not left there to just be like the moralist, conformist, whatever. Um, he calls us back. Remember where you've fallen from. Remember the love that was there. I'll come back to me to be restored up to it. It's what some of us need to hear. Uh, Smyrna, I can't imagine for Smyrna, if you look at what he says there, um, if, you're the church, if you're the church of Smyrna, you just have that kind of pit drop out of the stomach um, as you hear the words of Christ to you, um, do not fear for what you're about to suffer. <laughs> and you've already been going through a lot, and he's recognizing that. And don't fear for what you're about to suffer. Um, some of you are suffering. There's, there's plenty of things that we're under. Maybe it's not the you know, church in other parts of the world. It's not the same for us. Some of you are deeply hurt, uh, deeply hurt right now. And Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows uh, what you've stuck with. He also knows uh, what's coming. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe the, for you the road ahead is not going to be easy. There's so many things that we're afraid of, Right? At the beginning of the semester, there's so many things that we're afraid of. At the beginning of the day, maybe the end of the day, so many things we're afraid of that Jesus can say to us, do not be afraid. Um, I've come through death, and I've, I've come alive again, and I am your hope. Don't be afraid, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Fear no evil, because God is with us. Um... <clears throat> Maybe you relate more to, to Pergamum, um, you know, with all this talk of Balaam and Balak, and you're kind of instantly going back in your minds and numbers, you know, and what happened there. The people of God were coming through into Moab, and they were afraid of him, so they sent Balaam to curse him, but he couldn't. He only blessed them, and then they stayed there for a little while, and then the next thing they're there in Moab, and they're, they're all uh, worshiping the gods of Moab, and the Baal's there, and, and taking uh, Moabite women and, and sleeping with them, and there's all this sexual morality, right? That's immediately where your mind went when he, when he mentioned that. Here's what he's talking about with this church, he mentions, he commends them uh, for, uh, for, for he, he mentions where they dwell, right, where Satan's throne is. I can at least say a little bit about that. There's some debate what, what's meant there. Um, but, but emperor worship was a big deal um, then. And the, uh, the, the seat of the government of the Roman emperor's government was there uh, in Pergamum. Uh, it was uh, one of the places, I think the place uh, for the area that was for the emperor's cult, that there was a temple of worship uh, to the emperor there. Um, and listen, we may kind of 
not you know feel weird talking about the devil or talking about Satan. He's saying there's this real historical thing going there, but if I'm going to describe it rightly, just like he's describing uh, Jews used to be the people of God who aren't as synagogues of Satan, he's describing this emperor worship um, as, a, as a place where Satan's throne is. And you're hold fast my name there, no matter uh, what's going on, but still uh, he has these things against him. Uh, this Balaam, Balak stuff is intermingling. It's intermingling still with the culture of the, of the uh, environment that they're living in. Um, right? Uh, maybe a lot of times maybe we feel like, if you take what I like from the Bible, and then there's other things that I kind of like that I've heard that will kind of you know, make this part of my religion uh, too, or other religions, things that I've heard about, and ignore the things that I, uh, that I don't like. That's part of what's going on at, at Pergamon. Um, uh, I mean, how, how much um, of what we do is more from culture, of America that we live in, of the towns that we grew up in, of, of our family, uh, more part of FSU and the environment the, that we're in uh, than what Scripture says? How much of it is more cultivated by those other things than, than simply living according to what uh, God has told us? Uh, we need Jesus uh, with a sword, uh, the two-edged sword, to be able to cut out cut out those things, to war against it, to remove it uh, from us. We need to be desiring that. Besides um, or the next church, um, it's growing, right? He says, I know your works, I know your love, I know your uh, service, your pace and endurance. And he even says, listen, you're growing so much that the things that you're doing uh, lately are, are, are beyond the things that you started off doing, right? Your latter works excel the first. It was good to feel good to hear those things, to hear God recognizing how He's working, what, what's been worked out through the gospel uh, in us. Um, but, um, but He goes on to say, "But you, you tolerate evil." What's going on with Jezebel? You go back to the Old Testament and see uh, Jezebel as well. But you're tolerating evil. There's this woman there, uh, it, it, you know, at least personified. Maybe there's a Jezebel there. I don't know. Um, but you're tolerating evil, turning a blind eye to it, or just ignoring it and saying, "You know what? We can." We can deal with this. Um, I don't know that any of us are, are Jezebels, but, but she's around. Um, um, but isn't it easy to just ignore certain sins? Right? There's, there's certain sins that, that we kind of enjoy. Um, we'll work hard to, to root out some things, but then there's other things that, well, you know, it still makes us feel, we, we enjoy those things. There's still pleasure from that, or we, we build too much of ourselves and our character, um, our character around it. Um, right? There's, there's way too much... Not much to say. There's way too much sexual immorality, not just at FSU, but in this room, right? Uh, things that we look at, um, whether, that's, whether that's looking at pornography or that's movies or whatever, or walking around campus, uh, for that matter. Um, uh, there's, there's way too much um, sexual morality, whether that's other people that we're with and things we're doing, or, or by yourself in a closed room. Um, and we'd rather act like it's no big deal. Um, both to ourselves as we, as we deal with it. We don't need to talk to anyone else about it. Or even in, maybe sometimes as we talk with one another. We just make these things normal. They're okay. We'll, we'll tolerate these things. Um, and we're willing to tolerate it unless we realize that eyes like flames of fire uh, are able to see through all the stuff that we're trying to ignore. Uh, and, and feet glowing like burnished uh, bronze are ready to trample it out. Jesus calls to us that he's what we need even to be able to see our own sin, oh, that he would turn us from it. Or, uh, or Sardis, man, I know your works, right? You're like, oh, this is going to be good for Sardis, right? I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. 
Crocs are dead. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I'm concerned for my reputation, right? Uh, I think most everyone I know is at least at some level concerned for their, we're, we're concerned for our reputation. A lot of things are due are, are because of who's watching. And they change depending on uh, who's watching. Um, and, and it can even be that you're about a lot of good things so that you have a good reputation. A lot of Christian things, a lot of religious things, coming to you know, Christian meetings like RUF and going to church on Sunday, even when you're out at college you know, for the first time. You're, you're there. You're, maybe, but maybe it's because you're concerned for the reputation of how other people think of you. There are good things to do, but that's the reputation and the reason to do it. Um, and you see how he calls her uh, uh, to his church, you're dead, I'll wake up. Um, you know, we can be so concerned about all these things of how other people see us that we won't even stop to look at ourselves. We won't even stop to say, there's not really life in me. No, I've just got to keep going to the, to the next thing. He calls to his church out of dead. Oh, and there's hope for us when we're dead. There's hope for us to look at ourselves and say, I'm not sure what's still alive in me spiritually. Maybe that's where you feel um, tonight. Um, and he, he's the one who has uh, the seven spirits, who has the Holy Spirit, who pours out, who gives life uh, to us. He's calling us back to himself that he's what we need. Uh, go on to, to Philadelphia. Uh, some of you are, are worn down. Um, almost nothing left. Uh, like the church in Philadelphia. He says, I know that you have but, but little power. Um, some of you can relate to that uh, deeply. Uh, but what does he tell them? Hold fast. Um, Listen, to, to speak to some of you who are, who are weak, who are worn down in the gospel and say, I don't know what to go. And the, and the temptation is, man, just, just let go. Uh, just give up for a while. Let me find something else that's going to be there. Um, she says, hold fast. Um, I know you want to give up. I know what you're going through. I know that you don't have any strength, but I am your strength for you. Look at, look at the things he says. Behold, I'm going to make them come and bow down your, at your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Um, he's telling them, I'm going to bring you through it. You don't have to have the strength to make a way uh, for yourself, to make, some, uh, make your way to the door that you can open and that you can get in. I have authority. I have the keys. Um, I open the door and no one can shut it. And I've left the door open for you. I will bring you into it. Hold fast. I'm coming soon. It's our Savior for us and our weakness. And then there's, then there's Laodicea, uh, lukewarm Laodicea. Um, and, you know, whatever the commentaries uh, say, there's like near them there's a city that has like hot springs and stuff and, and other cities that have a river that runs because it's cold, cool and they have the Roman aqueducts and the water that gets to them and by the time it gets to them it's, it's very lukewarm. Um, and he's, he's using a metaphor that they're familiar with. Um, and he says, listen, I, I spit you out of my mouth. I why? They're blind. Like, uh, you know, I have a style that can make you see. They're blind even to their own condition. They're like, I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I'm prosperous. I don't need anything. It's like you're naked. You're blind. You should be ashamed. Um, a lot of times this can, uh, ways that we can relate to this, a lot of this feels very similar to, uh, to things in the, in the American church. We enjoy so much our comfort, our prosperity, our security, we don't want to see the need for the gospel. It's great to have Jesus on there too. That's part of what we should, yeah, we should be believers in Christ. But 
I don't see our need for it. Oh, we're blind even to our own our condition. And Jesus our calls, us, our calls us out of it. He's, we don't see our need for the gospel, but who's he? A faithful witness. Like faithful witness of God and his glory and his grace to us in the, in the gospel, even the beginning of God's creation to restore it to what, uh, to what it should be. Um, Jesus will... <coughs> Uh, Jesus will deal with, Jesus will, um, we need to be clothed by Jesus, right? The white robes covering our nakedness, eyes that we can, that we can see again. Now listen, Jesus uh, speaks to his church the gospel. He speaks to them of their need of him and how he uh, is there for them. Um, how much uh, we need him. Some of the things he said are stern. So we need to hear stern words. Um, some of the things he says are, are just sweet and, and lifting up because we need to be lifted up. All of them said in love, right? The sternest things to Laodicea, but what does he go on specifically to say to them? Those whom I love, give a progress report to not really a progress report. Those, those whom I love, I reprove. I discipline. Because there's a goal, there's a place that I'm taking you, and I want you to get there. Don't be ignorant of that goal. Listen to what I'm saying so that I can bring you into it. I'm leading you into it. I am your king. I'm for you. You are my church and my people. Well, how do you feel about the, the progress report, if you will, of what you hear about the church, uh, the seven churches in Asia at the time? There's, there's good things, a mixed bag. Um, there's a mixed bag of, of things now uh, as well. Um, I think we can be honest. Um, the, the, the church isn't everything that it's supposed to be. Um, right? I, you know, I hear talk with various people who part of their objection to Christianity, and maybe this is, this is for you, is why would I want to be a Christian if this is what Christians are like? I would prefer not to be judgmental and, and hypocritical, and if, if this is what that crowd is, I'd, I'd like to be about something different. Um, we can be honest. There's, there's good things going on in the church, and there's... There's struggling things going on in the church. Um, what the church is about isn't herself. Not how well she's doing. We're not trying to show off, hey, we've got it all done. We've, we've, we've got everything. Uh, the church is about Christ. Um, and Christ is concerned for his church. And he's more concerned about the things that are wrong with her than, than anyone else that I've uh, ever, ever talked to, the things that he's willing to, to say to her, to do uh, for her. It's much more important how you feel about Jesus who speaks to us. Um, who promises himself uh, to us. So we see the character of the church's king, uh, the commands of the church's king that he gives, and then very briefly, uh, the conclusion, the, uh, that also we're conquerors together with Christ. This is a picture of hope, of hope in the gospel that he gives to his people who are suffering, who are hurting, who are struggling in sin, caught in it, blind to it, uh, and maybe it can feel discouraging to hear all those things. Um, Jesus gives us hope. He gives us hope uh, to continue that there's real victory. Because when you're in this, when you're one of those churches, how long? Well, but I, but I'm, I don't want to look at my sin anymore. I, I, it's not fun. Um, I don't want to think about what's coming up that I'm going to have to deal with. Um, I know that there's problems, but it takes a lot of effort to figure out that falsehood and, and, and put it out. Um, uh, it can feel discouraged. Jesus gives us hope. There's real victory. 
Um, the, the future, uh, it's the future they tell us about that motivates the, the present, right? He says again and again, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, it's good things, it's promises. Uh, to the one who conquers, I will grant him to eat of the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Uh, what Adam and Eve were taken away from, because if they tasted of that, they would, they would live forever and live in paradise with God. This is what God offers to us. This is what's waiting for us. This is what He promises as we continue to see our need for Him and rest in Him. There's a lot of uh, different things. The one who conquers not be hurt by the second death. There's the physical death, but then there's the uh, lake of fire you see later in Revelation. Judgment, condemnation from God. You, you may suffer for a while, but then, then it's paradise. There, there's not more to come. It's, the tribulation will continue, but then... There's not more uh, against you as you rest uh, in Christ. Um, uh, I'll be honest, I don't have a clue about the white stone and the name that's written on it that no one uh, knows. The commentary say it's a lot of different things. It's interesting uh, that there's, there's encouragement there. Um, um, all these things, different encouragement to us uh, of him who overcomes, that, uh, that we will uh, rule with Christ. He gives authority and power uh, to us. Uh, that he will clothe us in white garments. Um, that, that we will see uh, the city of his God, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven for us. Ah, there's victory. Not because we can achieve it. But there's victory. Because Christ brings his, his church uh, to its goal. And he works with us and leads us uh, to it. And Jesus, our king, uh, the, the church's king, makes us conquerors uh, with him. And he takes care of, of all our needs and speaks to us.